All powers, all authorities in heaven and earth have been given unto me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. So, therefore, we recognize from that scripture that the reason why we come to church is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, what is the word disciple? The word disciple comes from a Greek word called mathesis, which is the same vocabulary that is used for apprenticeship. Somebody who is learning, an artisan man, who is learning as an apprentice under a professional. Therefore, to be a Christian means to be an apprentice. Not many churches consider this in Garden of People. CFT is not interested in gathering people every Sunday, putting offering every Sunday, and going back home being the same. If that is why we are existing, we have failed before we started. CFT is about people who gather together because Jesus died for them. And the duty of any clergyman in CFT globally is this. The message of salvation is holistic. In other words, the message of salvation should affect a whole person. Affects your morale, your thinking, affects your finance, affects your family. So that the peace that Jesus promised can be practical in each person's life. And so we have a mandate by Jesus Christ. That for us who teach you, we have been discipled already. And because we have been discipled, we are in the position to disciple you as well. And the word disciple, therefore, if it's being an apprentice, it is just simply saying to make you be like Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of coming to church. Of course, we understand the fact that on earth, we have various careers, professions. Now, by your profession, you earn a livelihood. By the effort you made to qualify, it determines the comfort you will command in your career. Somebody who had put in a lot of effort, maybe in studies and stuff like that, suffered to earn good certificates and degrees Patient enough to serve in various companies. Alright? And they will begin to progress in, in their field. On one day, they will come to a place where they are earning a lot of money. They can afford all the comforts. Whereas someone who, who was so lazy, at the time he was supposed to commit himself to adding value to his life. He was just playing about and doing whatever he likes. He will not be able to have the level of comfort that the others who have suffered and who have contributed to their lives we have. So it is with the kingdom of God. As it is that what you are on earth determines who you are. What you are doing today in the church determines what will be of you. Forever when you die. For those of you who are in the church of God. My uh, 
discussion with you, I discuss with you as people who know God. If I had to discuss this with some people, or if I have a win of the fact that there could be some people here who have believed in several things, I will have gone into other areas to help you know this, that an opportunity to come to church is an opportunity to determine your life when you die forever and ever. Let's say someone says that, but how are we sure that this is what will happen when we die? So, when you were young, you had questions that why should I go to school when my parents are forcing me, waking me up in the morning? I should sleep a little more. And your parents will say, no, you cannot. And they will force you to go to school. Some of us, we were really beaten to go to school. We, we argued, we fought. We, we, some of us were sent to school, we went somewhere else. Until they caught, our parents caught us, dealt with us before we started reading. Because at that level of age, your, your brain is limited. So you now, as a man, compared with the eternity of God, you don't know anything. Your, our brains are limited. But what is it? What is the right way of thinking for a human? If what I'm told to do is good, if what I'm to, told to do is beneficial, even if it costs me some pain, why don't I do it? So that I will not live my life in regret. I was sharing on the uh, uh, wedding, uh, the marriage seminar in the week that some of us who are, el- or everybody who is older, not some of us, everybody who is older, we have one regret or the other because of some things that you did not consider when you were growing. And then when you grew older, you, con- you recognize by maturity that, oh, if I had done, I would have done this better. Okay? And because we have passed through it, with passion, we talk to those who are coming behind. That, look, don't make my mistakes. Because they are there. There are some mistakes you make in life, and you don't get any immediate recompense. But there are some mistakes you make in life that you will regret it for life. Those who are older know those things. And they can tell the younger ones that you can't behave like that. This is how you should compose your life. But not every young one recognizes that pain. Because on earth, we must always have failures on earth. We must always have successful men on earth. We must always have people who will regret. We must always have people who will just be happy. We must always have those who will be sad and sorrowful. We must always have people who have helped themselves. And people who will enjoy themselves. So that is the mixture of the world. But I say this to you therefore. Applying that to the spiritual. As you know that your input into your life. Determines the comfort you earn in the future. Applying that to the spiritual. Your input today. Determines what happens to you forever. Therefore. I want to take you through the structure of Christ's faith tabernacle. Who is Christ's faith tabernacle? What is this church all about? The first thing that we need to know is that this church has a mission statement. Can you switch off the light on that side, please? 
Our mission statement stems from the book of John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him must not perish, but have everlasting life. So, the first, the first um, communication of God to humanity is love. Alright? So, we believe, we demonstrate God's power through his love. This is the reason why we recognize the limitations of each person because we all have different stage of growth. And so we can accommodate the good things that people have done and blunders that others have done while growing up. Because we have to operate in the love of Jesus Christ through the power that God has given to us, we do not pick the one that is, we are working on to stand firm and every day he's always falling and every day he's always rebellious. We don't cast them out. Alright? We'll be patient with them, but very firm with them. So when we teach you and instruct you and someone disobeys, if the area that you are operating in church is leadership, workers and also other leaders in, the, in this church, we will subject you to the discipline written for that section. So that we are firm and it's true love. We don't hate you. Your disobedience doesn't make us demean you in any way. But of course, as in humanity, if you do not attain a level or a measure of competence, we cannot assign you to a leadership role. And so, our discipline towards you is a discipline of love. And when we see you improve, we commend your efforts. And when we see you lagging, we come hard on you. So therefore, I do not see a failure in any man that God brings here. But I can see men who have failed that the Lord will transform their life into success. And this is demonstrating God's power through love. We look at humanity with the eyes of love. That's the reason why I'm praying seriously that God should bring ISIS to become a member of CFT or members of CFT so that we can send them back to their own people. Prostitutes and everyone who have failed in life. Because in Christ is hope. And you must know this in all you do. This house is based on love. Because we love one another and this is what we stand for i will stand to make sure you are successful and you will stand to make sure i'm successful i will stand to make sure i do not do anything that will hinder your life and you will stand with me to make sure you don't do anything that will hinder my life i told you something about cft church i know you guys no one can come to me from outside and tell me that do you know that your member is a devil I cannot accept the weakness or testimony of anyone. Alright? Why? I don't know the person. My testimony of you is what I know about you. This is one of the things that has wrecked many families. Marriages. Somebody will come into a marriage and tell a husband about the wife. And the husband will forget about 
all his knowledge of that woman all these years and act upon the folly of a reckless man and before you know it, your good thing is out of the window. Happens to husband, wife, to the husband as well. And the Bible says we should not accept accusation of anybody against anybody. That's why in the church I taught you. If anybody told you something about a member that is not good, tell him, I have just heard what you said, and I will tell that person what you have just said about him. Or if he says, I'm sorry, I will tell him that I will tell him that you said you are sorry. But what came out of your mouth to him, he must hear it. And you will not let him know the day he comes to church, you take that person that they talked about. Say, excuse me, please, I want to share something with you. When he comes, you take him straight away to the man who spoke to you. And you tell that man, can you repeat what you told me about him? Before him. That's the principle in this house. Do you know something? As many who do it, you will save your head from unnecessary punishment. That's what happens. Nobody can backbite to you if you do what I'm saying. Because if anybody says something, he knows that you will tell the person. And if it's something very derogatory, you will tell the person and tell your local pastor. So that nobody, Satan cannot use anybody to use your mouth and your mind against somebody. Because still, when you come to church, what are you coming to church for? To be good. You don't come to church to be contaminated. But you know, the household of faith is one of the key pillars that Satan attacks all the time. And it's through subtle things like that. So if you know this, that anything that is contrary to love in this house, you cannot accept it. And any manifestation that comes out of you, it must have the connotation of love. That I'm doing this because I love God and I love this person. So therefore, is our key pillar. The second pillar is building overcomers for tomorrow. If you look at Revelations 2, 7, 2, 11, 2, 17, 2, 26, and Revelations 3, 5, Revelations 3, 12 and 21, it tells you, it begins by saying, And to he who overcomes, and to he who overcomes, and to he who overcomes. So, in this house, therefore, everything will teach you, and everything you will teach one another, everything will do to you, and everything you will do to one another must be geared towards building somebody up, not pulling him down. You must not lie to one another. You must tell the truth to one another. If you know a way, you should be open to everybody. Let me say something to you a little. If you are sick in your body, don't hide it until the sickness kills you. Because if you are killed by a sickness, it will be announced to everybody. Let me say something. If I have cancer in my body, okay, is it because I sinned? Come on, answer me. So then, even if I sinned, and that cancer is part of retribute of sin, what should I do as a believer? Okay, I will use something else to help you. If I have cancer, doctor diagnosed cancer, and I say I will pray about it. How many people are praying? Yes? One which is how many? That's the scripture. If I come to the church and say, Church, I was diagnosed cancer yesterday. Now, 
we pray. Two people start praying for me. Two which is how many? One thousand. One eight thousand. Two ten thousand. Let me give you simple methodical mathematics. And three? Hundred thousand. Thank you so much. Now, if let's say that my prayer needs hundred people to, my sickness needs hundred people to cry. And I have 1,000 people praying for me. How long will it take me in my body? At instance of cry, everybody, the sickness is gone. The ego of man is a whole me. If you are killed by it, it will be known. What is the church of God? It is the family of God. The pillar and foundation of truth. But adventure, I say I have cancer. Somebody had it in the congregation and he used a particular thing that cured him. He will come to me and tell me. I will together now. I'm talking about building one another up in that most holy faith. What about if I went last week and I committed adultery last month. And unfortunately, after the adultery, I discovered I have AIDS. Okay? I will use that because it is the most humbling scenario for a man. What does the Bible tell me? Confess your sins one to another. I will tell the church. I committed adultery last month. Now I have AIDS through that contact. Please plead to the Lord on my behalf. Whatever, if somebody makes jest of me, I have no thought about such because I'm acting upon the word of God. Because if I can obtain mercy from God, he can cure me of AIDS. And the Bible says in the book of James chapter 5, from verse 13, it says, If any one of you is sick, let him pray. Let him call the elders, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And it says, The prayer of the saints shall heal the sick. If you have committed sins, shall be forgiven. Just leave my, my projector there. It shall come to see him and be forgiven. Then he says in verse 17, For the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much or has great power and is effective, or has great power in its effect. Therefore, anything that you do to one another, let it build up somebody. Are we together now? There are many advantages of that, which you know. Somebody may be in the church today, he's a pauper. We are all, he's begging for money, and we're all giving him money to, to take transport. And in about 15 years' time, he is a cabinet minister somewhere in one country. And at that time, you are a businessman, you are looking for business. And he is the door to take you into it. If when he was poor, you were one of those who was validating him. You know, the moment he sees you, the first reflection is what you did against him. People forget good things you do for them, but they never forget the bad thing you do. I would get it now. So therefore, it is honorable to build other people. It is profitable. This church is not a demon church. It is a Jesus. <laughs> it is a Jesus church. Because in demon church, People will be suspecting that if I tell my plans to this person, I don't know how many demons are. Here, we don't know about demons. We know about Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. 
So if I share with you the plans of my life, you can only help to pray with me. Not only that, if you have a physical help, like connection, how I can get the success, you can tell me. I may not know it. That is the church of God. Where everybody is pure in heart and everybody is bent towards building the family of God. So this is a mission statement. But then, if you look at, very quickly, the next slide, Benisa, I will talk to you about the fact of how we care for one another. Go to the next level, please. The next slide. Just structure. The next. No. Church structure. Go back to church structure. You, there is nothing on your board on that. Church structure. Luke 14.28. It says in church formation, the most important thing is to get the structure right. As we are here, the most important thing after we are here is that we get our church structure right. And everybody knows it. That is what will help you as a member of this household to know what you can do, where you belong, and stuff like that. It's not just to come on Sunday, sit on the pews, and go home. That is no church. It is a family of God where everybody is relevant. This is Jesus speaking. In Luke chapter 14, 28, he says, Suppose one wants to build a high tower. Will he not sit down and estimate the cost? All right? Now, when we sat down to estimate a, about Christ's tabernacle, what has happened is this. We came to recognize the fact that God is sending us on a big mission to reach the whole world. If that be the case, how can we build a mega church where everybody is relevant? The only way we can is to find a way where everybody is connected with somebody. I would together now. So if there's a good thing I want to pass to the church, an opportunity, we must have a system whereby I can say to my pastors, send the email to my pastors, this is coming out by, let's say on Monday something came to me, and it's an opportunity that will close by Thursday. I send information to so my pastors or some leaders, and those leaders can send information to another level of people, and it can reach the grassroots, even the person who first came to church last Sunday. It could be a national benefit. It could be something that everyone of us need to be aware of. A, a church that doesn't have that cannot fulfill the mandate of heaven. You have part fulfillment, partial fulfillment, and many people will just be onlookers. They'll be seeing other people manifesting, getting successful, and they'll be wondering what are they doing. Therefore, we came about this principle. In this principle, this is very, very clear and easy. You know, I wanted to go to the next diagram because I want to show. Okay, go back to the previous one. It will have, you will have used the, the previous... Uh, okay, let me just show you something here, which I will take you to the next, um, in the next um, slide. You see here, it is very 
interesting why they have bubbles here. Maybe you are all bubbling. Huh? You see this yellow here is supposed to be you. Every member of this house. When you come into Christ with Tabernacle, this is what you wear. This yellow. The procedure of this church is that the moment you come in, you feel a form. That form is given out to three minimum uh, groups in the church. The Monday of the week, a letter will go out from my table. And if you're a branch pastor, the branch pastor will send a letter to all who visited. Welcoming them and... You know, a standard uh, letter. Okay. Before Wednesday, two members of different groups, the Jesus Territorial Army, which is the Evangelism Team and Intercession, will have called that person. Oh, we saw that you attended our church last Sunday or last Wednesday. You know, hope everything is okay. I'm sure you enjoyed it. Um, Introduce themselves, first of all, and, you know, call them by their own address name and stuff like that, so that the people will feel welcome. The second group that should call them is the group that is within their area. Somebody who lives in the area, oh, I live also just down the road, you, you know, and we have a group, a Bible study group together in this area and that area and that area, and this is who I am, if you need any help. And then the third group will call that person before the end of the week, which is in the leadership. If you were treated like that in a church, would you not go back there? You will. But you know, this duty is for every one of us. Because each one of you will belong to an arm of this operation. But if those people wrote prayer requests, okay, the intercessors group that called them, the cell group that called them, and the coordinating group that called them will have read through their prayers and prayed for them. As we tell them that we are praying over this issue for you, I want to assure you the Lord will do it. If in one week, three different groups in a church called you and said, we are praying for this issue, and don't worry, God will do it. Would you not have faith? That God would do it. Would you not be happy that people are concerned about you? This is the instruction of Jesus Christ. That is faith. Our Christian faith in practice. Now to do this will be very, very boring or burdensome if only one person does it. But if we have various groups involved, it will be easy. The second thing is, these two people who just came to church and these two people who have been in church, we appoint somebody here, we call James, who has been a member of the church for a while and has been discipled. Alright? So he, the names of these people, he will have it and their telephone contact. If this man comes to church, he only wants to see these four people in church. If he cannot find these four people in church, he phones them every meeting. 
Oh, I, I didn't see you in church. It's easy for one person, this lady, to remember this name, this name, and this name. And it's easy for this lady when she comes to church, she's looking for these four people and forget about others. But these four people are her main burden of these four people. So that if none of them is in church, she will know. If she knows, she calls them immediately after service. I didn't see you in church today. Hope you are fine. In case somebody in this church woke up in a day and he can't open his door. And he's in great crisis. And he's someone who comes to church all the time. It is possible for a church big not to even recognize that they didn't come. And they were sick or they had a problem. Alright? But if somebody will care for the four, those four too, they are looking for their James when they come to church. And they are looking for themselves. Then we will not have a church where somebody suffers for weeks and nobody knew about it. Because the pastor can't know everybody. Though, you know, when I minister, I move around, I see faces. But yet, in Depot High Streets, I've gone to shop. And people have been coming to me, greeting me. I don't know them. But, you know, as a clergyman, I'm trained to greet everybody happily and, you know, as if I know you. <laughs> it's not pretense. But that is ethics of my, my office. And then, when I greet them so happily, Sometimes they probably look at my eyes and see that this happy greeting looks like an alien greeting as well. And say, Apostle, I'm a member of CFT. Oh, brother, how are you? <laughs> then it goes happier. <laughs> then they know that, you know, he didn't recognize us. But it is easier for you to recognize four people. It's easier for me to recognize maybe more people because I see you when I preach. Therefore, that structure, to me, is God's given structure. But you see, each one of these people who are James, this person was here. After maturing a while, he became a James, who is now taking care of this four person. And after maturing for a while, he becomes Peter. Okay? Alright? Whereas this man here, the moment this man trains them, and he becomes Peter... This Peter takes two of the yellow, who he calls John. He trains them to become their James. So that everybody in the church will move from me to us and to we. It won't be you coming to church. If you come to church, you don't know anybody. Then what's the purpose of networking? You know, people sitting down beside you, you don't know who they are. People have come to me before looking for a solution. Let me give an example. A lady came to me yesterday and said that, uh, last week and said, Apostle, I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a job. I said, what did you study? He said, I'm a law student. He says, uh, but I want a job in um, um, Goldman Sachs, I suppose. Or... No, Elsie Young. Elsie Young. Elsie Young. Esther Young. Ernest Young. Ernest. Ernst Young. Agunwoki. When did you know Ernst? 
All right. He wants, he wants, he wants job in Ernst Young. Is that correct? Okay. All right. Esther Young. You guys are confused. This is not Bible. I don't care. Now listen to me. <laughs> he wants job in E and Young. <laughs> so when I had that name, but do you know in this church are people working in that organization? And in this church are people who have contact with the senior guys in that organization. So I said, don't worry. The following day I was here, I called two of them who also work in some other companies. Do you guys work in this organization? Oh, no, but you know, they have links. Yeah, one of them works there. All right. Somebody wants a job there. He wants to do um, what do you call these two weeks, one week or one month experience. So they say, oh, what year is she? And which area does she want? So I said, look, you have asked too much questions. <laughs> On Friday, we have family clinic. Then I spoke to another person who has direct contact with the key person in charge of employment there. Okay? He said, no problem, let her, let her come. I will, connect, I will introduce her to this man. On Friday, they met and discussed an exchange. That person will get the job. But they sit down beside you in church. And like ordinary person too. Because nobody wears who he is. But we who are the leadership know who is who here. And if somebody has a need, we know who can help. But if you are involved in the stream of care for one another, then your journey will be shorter. In CFT, let me tell you, there is no problem anybody under heaven can have that we don't have a human solution in this house. There is no one. No one. No one. We have we have people in all walks and streams of life. So therefore, this system is to help you grow. This system is to help you serve. You don't have to be an ordained minister to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus went about looking for people to help. And then he formed a team of friends. And those are the people you call the church. They care for one another. They love one another. They look for one another. They pray for one another. And he teaches every one of them. So that they can be like him. And this structure, I believe, is a very good structure. This is a structure you can be proud of because it was designed right here. It's not a structure from any book. It is a structure that Holy Spirit gave us. Now, very quickly, let me just take you through six, what I call the six keys to church growth. And then I will stop in about five minutes because I have to run away. <laughs> now in that one it says go to the next one yeah that's it and all this stuff on the on the screen we will look at what is causing this um, bubble maybe because this is headquarters <laughs> first corinthians chapter 3 10 to 11 look at what it says but paul said by the grace god has given me i laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should be careful how he builds. 
For no one can lay any other foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. There are six things mentioned in that scripture. Number one, the foundation. Apostle Williams is the one that laid the foundation of Christ with tabernacle. Thank you. I lay the foundation as God has given to me. The, that's the uniqueness of Christ with tabernacle. We want to be like the church in the book of Acts, period. We want to be exactly like Jesus Christ walking on the streets. And that's it. That's the reason why the foundation is very necessary. And in this house, you are privileged that you have a man who will not build the foundation on doctrines of men. If you tell me anything, I'll tell you, show me in the Bible. If you can't show me in the Bible... In the life of Christ and the gospel, forget it. And that has helped us. You are the builder. Each one of you are building on the foundation that I have laid. I've raised leaders in this house, which is a third level. You are the builder, leaders of this house, leaders of each group. Really, last week after the encounter I had with the Lord, we changed our format of leadership. Formerly, I have a person who leads the choir, a person who leads the ushers, a person who leads this and that. But now, not, not, not anymore. We are now having a team of leadership in each group. While I sit over everybody in operation. So that I can call the team of leadership in a particular area. I can give instructions and they will run with their, with their vision. And what that also will help me achieve is to raise more leaders. Because I'm doing this. Uh, take for instance, in the month of April, you have 100,000 people coming to this house. That looks quite strange to you, but it's not to me. And those who, have been, who God has revealed the destiny of this house will recognize with me too. It will come like a flooding stream. Are we ready for it? So this is the platform now. When we have we raise more leaders, we can send each leader anywhere and they can do the job. Rather than we have one leader and then we have an outburst, that leader cannot be running health as skelter. Now, the next thing about it, for is making the vision plain. The vision of this house is plain and that's what I'm going through with you again. The reason for making vision plain is that error can run with it you will be able to identify your role in the main church frame. Then setting oversight. Now some of you now are going to be moved into the position of oversight. So that when we give a job to a group, you are there to oversee, to make sure that downline is functioning. This structure you appointed, you make sure that downline is functioning. And the last thing is that we build around Jesus Christ. Anything you do, you have Christ in mind as your center. Finally, the three great secrets a Christian must know. Say after me, a praying church is a powerful church. A world church is a strong church. A family caring church is a growing church. This is, these are the three keys that we devise from the growth of the church of the book of Acts. If you are a praying Christian, 
You are powerful. And we have some Christians, they pray, 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 pray. They are powerful, but they are not strong when the flood comes. Because they are not full of the word. To be strong in the Lord is to be full of the Bible. You know Bible. That's what makes you strong. It's different from power. While strength can be a function of inertial energy, a stored energy, power dispenses operations. And so people who pray, 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 when it comes to binding the devil, casting out devil, you know, destroying the past of Satan, praying unction of God to come down, you get it by prayer. You get it by prayer. But when it comes to temptation and you stand, it is strength inside you. Not prayer. The word of God. So, we recommend in this church and we train in this church everybody to be a prayer person. All this, I had a dream and I'm eating on the dream. Oh, somebody is chasing me on the dream. Why should you be chasing? The ch- if they chased you last year, we understand that. But if the chase continues this year, something is wrong somewhere. <laughs> Somebody has to be in a position sometime ago that they will chase him and beat him up on the dream. But you, you, don't, you don't die in that position. You are there because of your strength. And the more you acquire strength of God, those who beat you up, you call them to order in the same dream. And say that, no, 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 I'm now a superman. In the name of Jesus, and everything will vanish. That tells you that you have acquired more strength. So we teach everyone to be independent in prayer. And we teach everyone to know the word of God. And we teach everyone to care for one another. So, let me close my computer now. And we go to practical. This is Christ with Tabernacle for you. Do you love it? Do you love it? Let me say something to you. When I look at you, I say this to you all the time. I am happy because if anybody comes to this church for one month, that person is a serious man. Are we together now? Somebody met one of the members and told the member that, you are, where are you going to say Christ? And I say, ah, that church is tough. Ah, that apostle is tough. Am I tough? I'm not tough. The fact is that I want to rub mine with you. Let's know the truth together. Why? I want to see you in a few years and be happy. I was watching television uh, during this week and I saw a young man. He is a British-born Nigerian, and he is minister, of, uh, is, um, um, uh, what do you call the shadow minister for, for, for business. Young man, he will be in his early 30s. In the next election, should Labour Party win, he will be a cabinet minister. He's a black boy. I said, I'm proud of you on television. I said, I will sing your praise on television. Looking at among you are young folks. If I tell all these young people to begin to tell what they are, where they are, you'll be shocked. Where God had positioned our young people here. Same thing with the matured people. It doesn't matter what level you come in here. What matters is where you're going. But what you mustn't do is to treat yourself as an outcast. 
Because this is a family. Therefore, if you have not joined any party in the church, political party, you have <laughs> the choir, <laughs> you have the ushers. Yes, thank you, ushers. You have the technical team who are in the audio, they make my voice hard and your voice they carry and record. You have the um, Sunday school alive. My oh my. You have the social media. Uh huh. <laughs> are we together now? And then we have protocol. Aha. And we have the bookshop. Aha. And we have the Amobiaras. But do you know something? Also on Wednesday, this is our church, this is New Cross, we have Bible school for everybody. How many of you are Bible school students? Aha! In the Bible school, we look at the books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. And of course, to Mondays, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 10 a.m., some people gather here who are not working at the time, and they study the Bible from Genesis. They are now in Deuteronomy 20, 23. And they are called the Shiloh. Come on, let me hear you, Shiloh pillars. <laughs> Somebody who does night shift can join them. Somebody who is not working now can join them. And then every Friday in this building, we have night vigil. At 11, every blessed Friday. And then we have a normal service prayer meeting, which is for everybody, by 7. Are we together? Then every day, Monday to Friday, people gather here 6 to pray. 6 to 7, one hour prayer. Because Jesus said, can you not watch with me just for an hour? So if you look at all what we have on Saturdays, every Saturday people are going out to the streets for evangelism every Saturday. In this, your church. Your church. Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Then if you leave that, every young man and young ladies belong to the youth group. And the youth group has gone sophisticated now because they set up young professionals in Christ which already has got to the House of Parliament and recognized. They have taken youths to various, you know, networking events of top big companies, organizations. And a good number of youths have gotten their careers shut up by it. They invite men that matter in the city and they hold their conferences in hotels. This church that you are in, this is happening there. So there cannot be a youth who says, I'm jobless. That youth group as well, they visit those universities, spend time with them, their pastor go, go, go and stay with some of them, especially the young girls, training them to become reasonable, responsible women in the society. In this same church you are, some of you who are parents are struggling with your child to raise your child up. If the youths who are of his age or her age and are successful meet with them, it will change their lives. More than you can talk. 
Because there's nothing like seeing your mates making it. And you are still making gragra. Which gragra? Dip your hands in your pocket and bring out some, 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 some flesh. And let's know that you are a man. I will know a man by, you know, putting his hand in pocket and bringing some money out, isn't it? When you see, when a youth sees a youth like himself, who are almost earning seven figures. Is it seven figures they call it? Six figures. Yeah, it's six figures they call it. Seven figures will be my own turn. Hallelujah, somebody. And those who are doing business among them, doing reasonable businesses, and they are making it. When your youth gets involved with them, it changes them. They also set up programs for the children. We are these youths help children to become something, not what school make them tell them to become. They look at their potential and put together their careers in the same church. And several more. Then all women belong to what? Women of rare destiny. Where our women are taught how to capture their husbands. Hallelujah, somebody. If, if, if... (laughs) uh, uh, They are taught how to capture their husbands. uh, According to the word. Mommy said how to know Jesus. Everything here is how to know Jesus. But the fact is, how can a woman capture the husband? That is what the women gather to do. They teach them how to cook. They teach them how to dress. They teach... uh, uh, Is that to know Jesus? Is to know man. (laughs) They teach them how to speak, how to conduct at home. Those are the practical application of the scriptures. And they get these things by studying women characters in the Bible. So they look at the women character in the Bible, the ones that are bad, what made them bad? What is the result? What did they do? The women that are good, what made them good? And what is the result? So that everybody has choice of changing their mind to do good. That's not what it is. How do you mother children? How are you a wife to a husband? How can you get the favor of your husband? Because the Bible says the head of a woman is who? The husband. And the head of the man is who? God. And we have people who are given testimonies of the lives of their marriages transformed through this. But you know what? Not only that, we have the men's group. The light of the world. Not the light of London, no. Or the light of New Cross. The light of the world. You know what's going to happen? July. I'm taking all of you men on a journey. And what are men? How many? What is the age? 18, isn't it? So we have people who are in the youth. But they are also men. People who are in the youth. And they are also youths. Women youths. And the men. And uh, they are also in the women group. The reason is because... In the youth group, you can relate and you can move forward. And then raise other growing youths to occupy your position. While you are also integrated into the, into the, into the um, uh, men and the women's group. So that you can learn from the older ones. While they are pushing and getting older, you can push on and occupy their spaces. So we can have youths who have progressed to become very matured, you know, solid people without missing their youthful exuberance. Now let me say this. I rest my case. (laughs) Each week, when you belong to that group, we train you in everything that is church. 
your week, you will come here six to seven and pray for others. And you will do a vigil one of the Fridays. And one of the Saturdays, you go on the street. So there's full ministry. Okay? And I want every one of you today to belong to a group. Am I talking? I can hear you, church. Are you the headquarters? If you are the headquarters, I can't hear headquarters kind of. Don't worry. I've told cathedral people. Saul killed 1,000 and David is 10,000. This place may look small, but good things come out of Nazareth. <laughs> out of here, cathedral beads. The next auditorium we are going to build from here, we see 22,000 people. You know what? Some of you will pastor there. I didn't hear amen again now. Some of you will be prophets in that place. Apostle, we have to start to retire from London. Because I have other flock to go and look after. I have spent enough time with you. So now what I'm doing is, hand over. So we agree together that after I hand over today, I have the authority as you will vote right now. For me to grab anybody, they will vote for me to do that. Ah, why are you looking at me like that? Do you vote for me to do that? Father, you see the fact is this. Silence is the majority to carry the votes. <laughs> so, you vote for me to arrest you. Come on now, say something to me. Good, which means you have accepted. Ah, that is in law. Silence is admittance, isn't it? Guilty or not guilty? It means guilty. So, brethren, from today, we are going to decide which group we go. The week that is on from tomorrow is week three. Yes? Because week two was this week. How many of you feel comfortable to join first week? If you look at your curriculum and your work, you want to join the first week. Everybody must join a week. Stand up, please. If you have not been, those of you who are leaders in the first week already, don't worry. But if you have not been assigned, yes, any other person first week, all right? Where are the leaders of first week? Leaders of first week. So put your name down to pastor. Now, second week. How many of you want to join second week? It will be your prayer week. Raise your hands. Stand up, please. Leaders of second week. Pastor Ajayi, please give your names to that pastor over there. Second week. All right. Third week. How many of you will join third week? Yes, stand up please. I commit all these people to your hands.
in this new journey that we have begun. That your grace will lead us on. Father, there will be none among us who will not fulfill the mandate of heaven. That you will illuminate the mind of everyone who have heard me. What a great privilege for you, the one who created the heavens and the earth, to call man to partnership. We have worked with you for years and we have known who you are. A good God. Let the heart of everyone that comes to this house understand you. Enable everyone to fulfill their God's given mandate. Father, this we ask you and thank you because it's done. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are prayed. Somebody say amen. Somebody.